what I'm about to say. Hey. I thought you were starting. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is Shelby. And this is Courtney. And thanks for joining us today on All Things Macabre. Here on All Things Macabre, we discuss all the things under the topic of odd, weird, true crime, supernatural, and fiction. This podcast contains language and content that is not suitable for all listeners, so listener discretion is advised. If you find a topic we are discussing interesting, we encourage you to do some research on your own. You never know what you may learn. We are just a couple of old friends telling each other stories that we find interesting. And hoping that you'll enjoy and laugh along with us. Through some stories that are weird, true, or fictional that will just make you say, what the fuck? And now, for the fun part. Hey, Macabre Mob. It's Shelby. And Courtney. And today we have a very special story. We do. But also, before we get into that, we need to also warn our listeners about the ASMR cat game that you're doing again. Yes, in (laughs) case y'all didn't catch it on the last episode, we are allowing my cats to run around in their collars and bells. So, I'm going to post all the pictures of all the cats on social media. You let me know what cat you think is making that sound. If you're right, you're going to get a special mention. And when we get stickers, a sticker. And a sticker, of course. Because if you can guess my cats by their bell, eh, I have trouble sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) You never know, you might get lucky. So anyway, as you were saying, this is a special story because it was sent in from a listener that is very special to me. And But it's not just a story sent in by a listener, like... It's actually a story. She researched it and gave me a story that I just elaborated on. And she cited her sources, And she did cite her sources, so thank you for that. It has been really fun getting to research. Yeah, yeah. It seems very interesting from what I looked at whenever I read the notes that she sent in. And I was like, okay, this is is interesting. You know, what I'm going to say is the most interesting thing about it, I think. Is that it's hard to find shit on. That That is true. Because I know you said that everything that she had found was basically it. I think she had about two sources on there. That one of them was pretty much all of it. Which, I mean, I get that. I do that. Yeah. But I kept digging and digging and digging and digging just to find some extra shit. And it is so hard to do. There's nothing. Yeah. This is Yorktown Memorial Hospital. Yorktown, first thing you think about, it's not going to be Texas. No. So, obviously, Yorktown, Texas, I had a lot of trouble. Everything kept going to another Yorktown, of course. But this hospital was actually opened March 25th, 1951. So that's not that long ago. No, it's really not. I thought it was older than that. Yeah, you know, you think about, like... Yeah, tuberculosis hospitals and all this other stuff. You, this wasn't that long ago to be that bad. Yeah, 
but it was opened by the Feliciana Sisters of the Roman Catholic Church. I had no idea who they are. I was going to say that's... Who are they? Just a group of sisters? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, actually. They are uh, the Feliciana Sisters. They were founded in Poland in 1855 with the first Feliciana Sisters arriving in North America in 1874. The Polish immigrants went to Polonia, Wisconsin, and they have become a significant presence across much of the U.S. by the early 20th century. They currently have an international community of more than a thousand vowed women. So they are a group of nuns, sisterhood, that came out and really put their ideas out through the U.S. and stuff. And they're still current today? They are still current That's today. That's what I thought. I was just clarifying. The information I got on them, I actually got off their website. Hmm. So that's that's from their mouth. Okay. So, Yorktown, Texas, in DeWitt County, so it helps out a little bit. It's between San Antonio and the Gulf of Mexico. It's about 75, 80 miles, I think, southeast of San Antonio. Okay. So, no wonder why you really don't ever think about it, because it's so close to San Antonio and the ghost... uh, And the ghost? (laughs) (laughs) San Antonio and the Gulf of Mexico. There we go. You know, those two things are... Very well Very known. Very well known. Yeah, they're, they're big. So, of course, it's easy to skip over Yorktown, unfortunately. Well, so yeah, and uh, to be fair, it's also always been known as an area with a relatively small population. I know we talked a little bit about sizes and populations before. It's only about 1.73 square miles. Oh, it's tiny. It's very tiny, and it has a population of 1,810 in 2020. 1,810. So we're looking at population of probably about 2,000, roughly. Tiny. Uh, and that's highballing it, yeah. That's very small. The hospital was built originally to help people that were suffering from drug and alcohol abuse. Okay. It did become a rehab later on, but they pretty much immediately scrapped that. It, it never opened as that. So it started out with the intentions of being... Yes, but it ended up becoming just a hospital. Oh, okay. Uh, It was named after the USS Yorktown that was sunk during the Battle of Midway in World War II. So they they had a little history in there, a little memorial thing to them. Okay. Like I said, it didn't immediately open up as a rehab facility before they even opened. They expanded it to have operating rooms, labor and delivery, and all that stuff. Uh, They had the ER... Everything. It's about 30,000 square feet. It's got two wings, two floors, and a basement. And it was costing about $500,000 to build back in 51. So that's pretty pricey. Yeah. That's expensive. Yeah. 54. The second floor became a living quarters for those that were actually employed there. Interesting. It is interesting because I don't know if you remember Waverly, but they had staff. That yeah. lived there. That was because quarantine. Yes. This isn't because of quarantine. So, so it's it, just kind of like to have staff 24-7. Yeah. yeah it's okay. odd. But, I mean, I've seen a lot of doctors and stuff that will stay at the hospital for yeah, sometimes a week at a time. They have, like, on-call rooms. So maybe that's kind of like the 50s version of an on-call room, maybe? Maybe. And, it, like I said, it's a small town. So maybe they just made it happen. Well, and it was run by nuns. Don't, don't forget there, there we go. Yes. Hey, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of normal for... Jeez, dude. 
it's kind of normal <laughs> for them to, you know, it makes sense for them to stay there, you know, on campus. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. On site. Yeah. On site. There we go. I don't know why my brain is what I think of it as a school. So sorry. <laughs> the hospital operated until 1986 and it only closed down because a nearby hospital opened up in Cuero, Texas. That's when it shut down as a hospital and became a drug rehab facility until 1988 for two years. Until it closed for good. So, <laughs> so I, I was kind of giggling because it, it's sad, but its intentions of being a drug and alcohol rehab evidently really wasn't meant to be since it evidently, only lasts for two years. Evidently, that was <laughs> not a good idea from the get-go. <laughs> so when they opened, they opened with a complete staff of technicians and nurses, but during the actual operation, they had trouble keeping staff, which, of course, is going to cause poor standards and care. Yeah. And it was actually even worse when it reopened as a rehab. I believe that. Because everybody really was overworked. So no wonder why they only stayed open for two hours. Yeah. Uh, two hours. About <laughs> like two hours. <laughs> two years. <laughs> so I did find a book, like an actual book, and I found that the physicians on staff at the time it opened Dr. Leon Norwierski. That's a last name. That is a last name. Dr. G.W. Cross. And it is George Washington Cross. I actually ran across that. Dr. John Barth. Dr. Marvin Golke, Sr. Dr. Riddiman. Dr. Elder. Dr. Dobbs. Dr. Ehlers. And Dr. Patterson. So, I mean, they had a pretty good staff of doctors from what it sounds like opening up. They had good intentions. Yeah. I actually found a picture on the Yorktown, like, Historical Society or whatever on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So, the picture actually still showed at the 15th anniversary that Dr. Golke, Gordon Barth, who was Dr. John Barth's son, who was born at that hospital, and Dr. Norwierski was still on staff. I don't know how many of the others might have still been there. I couldn't really find any information. It's been said that they had recorded around 2,000 deaths in the 35 years it was running. Jesus. Other articles say that it was around 500 or so in a six-year period. And some say that they only had like 400 deaths total. So I, I don't really know, but I mean, even 400 deaths is really... Kind of a good bit for a small town like that. I was going to say, that's still a lot. Regardless of the way that you look at it. That's a, that's a lot. It really is. And I told you that uh, Gordon Barth was born in the hospital. Mm -hmm. I believe it was in 1953. But he actually became a doctor and worked for the hospital when he got his degree in 1982. Interesting. And, even more interesting, he still practices to this day in Yorktown. He's really? got his own little office and stuff down there. Okay. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. I really only know that because I watched Ghost Adventures. And on Ghost Adventures, he actually said that he estimated it to be around 50 deaths a year. That's a lot. And that comes out to about 2,000 deaths 2000 over deaths. the years. That's so ridiculous. And that's coming from someone who worked there. Yeah, so I, I take that as being pretty accurate. I would do. 
After it shut down as a hospital, it reopened as, as the drug rehab center until 1988. And then the final closure was said due to being, being not able to find and keep staff. So they couldn't control the patients. That makes sense, like we were saying. Yeah, I get that. So let's talk about Dr. Leon Norirsky. The guy with the interesting last name. Very yeah. interesting mm-hmm. name. So we're going to call him Leon? Leon. So, you know, he was there at the beginning. You know, he was there at the 15-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. He was actually there when it closed. He was one of the main doctors at the facility, and he actually practiced medicine into his 90s. He was a ride or die, huh? He was. He was actually the oldest licensed doctor practicing medicine in Texas, even operating in his 90s. That's impressive, but concerning, because... But, I mean, I don't know how, like, healthy he was. He could have been, you know, very healthy and took care of himself. I mean, I've seen some 80 and 90-year-olds that act like 60-year-olds. Right, so I can't... I've seen some 50-year-olds that act like they should be 105. Exactly, so it's like, I can't really judge too much, but it's still like, that's okay. Like, I, you know, I respect it. Well, I did find out that he was born September 26th, 1891. He died September 7th, 1986, the year that the hospital closed, and he was the age of 94. 94. I had to look into it. There is no age limit to practicing medicine. I was going to ask that. I was going to say, yeah, 94. That's old. I mean, as much as I hate to say it, life happens. You could just stroke out, have a heart attack in the middle of an operation. That is true. And it's dangerous for more than just you. Do you happen to know, like, who the oldest person is today, if there is one on record? Actually, I found out that over 25% of practicing doctors are over 60 years old. Really? That that surprised me. That's impressive. Taking it a step further where you're asking, the world's oldest doctor, according to Guinness World Records, now I don't know if they've got more somewhere that hasn't yeah. come in, but it's Dr. Howard Tucker from Ohio. He is a hundred years old. Still working as a doctor? Still working as a doctor. Not only does he have no immediate plans to retire, but he got COVID-19 right after his hundredth birthday, and he was still instructing his residents through Zoom while he was recovering. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. And I just want to include that in in an article I read, he said, I take the same approach to each day as I did back in 1947 when I was just starting out. I continue to learn a lot each day from my colleagues and even my residents that I teach. He's been practicing medicine for 75 years. That's that's impressive. Okay. And that just goes to show you can learn something from anyone at any time, no matter how long you've been doing something. Right. I support that. So, I I was really impressed. I I hope he keeps going for a while. Right, for sure. Keep doing it. So, Dr. Norwierski, Leon here, Leon, he actually became known for his fatal mistakes during surgery. Oh, come on, Leon. So, I don't know if he was getting the shakes or if it was something malicious, but once he may or may not have been accidentally 
slit his patient's throat open while operating on their thyroid. Excuse me, what? Now, I don't know how much you know about thyroid, but it's like right there yeah. at your collarbone pretty much. Yeah. I have So, I mean, it is close issue, to your so throat. I, yeah, I yeah. kind of. Yeah. But how do you slice someone's throat open? That's a... Uh, uh, I mean, I know if you have to have it taken out, there's like a little incision, but it's like not even that big. Well, know? actually, you know, my mom had it done. And she has, like, a scar from almost collarbone to collarbone. Really? Like, yeah, if you put two dots on her neck, it looks like a smiley face. <laughs> it's actually healed up a lot over the years. You can't really see it anymore. You're such an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now they've actually got pills that just dissolve your thyroid. And, yeah. Really? Yeah. They've really gotten far. Did not know that. Sorry. There's your other fun fact from Shelby Central. <laughs> I've heard that this Dr. Leon... Haunts the doctor's lounge and the operating rooms. I didn't know if he died at home or in the hospital. I really couldn't find a whole lot about him. Wouldn't it suck ass to be a ghost and still think that you have to work? Oh, God, yes. Like, you relive that every single day that you're going to work? Did you imagine I, no, how fucking miserable that would then be? You wouldn't even be able to look forward towards dying to, to end it. Yeah. It would yeah. just be forever. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can't find much about him. That's weird for a doctor, right? It's concerning. Well, and weird. Yeah. But... And there's a lot of them I can't find a lot about. And the patients and, and the incidents that happened. Which about. I would say, like, the time frames, but hell, it was the 50s. Like, they should have Where's the documents? So, when the hospital closed, the doctors actually decided to take all the records with them, wiping out any evidence of anything that could have been documented Are there. Are you serious? However, they missed the year 1982. They found Dr. Specs, who had been delivering a bunch of babies at the hospital, which the hospital actually kind of became majority maternity. Okay. So it really leaned towards the labor and delivery and stuff. This Dr. Specs had a list of over 50% of the babies being born, being stillborn, or aborted. They were all labeled as not delivered. What? Over 50% of all the babies he delivered that year. That's insane. That's concerning and scary. Oh, wow. Okay, I have nothing to say to that. (laughs) That's not common, I'll tell you that. Yeah. No. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so Stacy is known to be one of the most active spirits in the hospital. Not much is known about her other than she was a little girl who came to the hospital every day because her parents couldn't afford a babysitter. I've heard that he that she was a doctor's daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think the doctor was actually female, but I have not seen a female doctor on staff through anything I've looked at. So I I don't know. Because yeah, I know when you were listing off the names, they were all male. Yeah. But either way, she was there at the hospital all the time. Okay. It was said that old Dr. Leon might have had a weird obsession with her at her young age. She so, was only like eight years old. So not only are we accidentally, air quotations, slitting people's throats, we're yeah. also showing interest in eight-year-old little girls. At 90 years old. Good job, Leon. Good job, Leon. Good job. It was said that he would buy her books and toys, showing her special interest and all that. And her favorite book was actually The Pokey Little Puppy. I don't know if you remember it. I'm very familiar with The Pokey Little Puppy. 
she had the nuns read it to her really often. But according to some, the book was actually a gift from Dr. Leon. Because he's a creep. Yeah, and there was actually a note written on the inside of it for her from him. Is how they knew it was a gift. I, I don't really know. But she died of unknown causes in the hospital, and I can find nothing about her parents. I can find nothing about her death. I can't even find her last name. That's weird. Everything I've come across just says that no one knows how or even when she died. Weird. So, did Dr. Leon do something? I'm going to say yes, because, I mean... He accidentally did all the other stuff, so what if he had some just type of fascination with stuff and wanted to, like, trying to be like a low-key serial killer? I'm just saying. Yeah, well, just to throw it out there, well, Dr. Leon was both seen as a respected great guy by a lot of people in the community, Mm -hmm. but there were others who thought that he was just kind of a malicious killer in his older years. I think it's in That's Why We Drink. They make a reference to people all the time. They um, call them, like, a pillar to killer. Like, they're a pillar of the community, but then later on they're known to killer, uh, to be, like, somebody who oh, yeah, yeah. kills people. So they use the phrase pillar to killer, and so <laughs> that's what made me think of that. There's several of those, unfortunately. <laughs> so he fits status quo, I'm just saying. Uh, well, one guy actually hated him so much that when Dr. Leon died... He dug up his grave and shit on him. No. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh, but but yeah. Shit on your grave was real for him. (laughs) It sounds like he kind of deserved it, though. I'm just saying. He may have. I mean, either way, if there is some way that whether it's a tremor or you fell asleep or you did it on purpose... If you accidentally slit someone's throat while you're operating on their thyroid, you should probably not do anything anymore. My whole thing is why was that not investigated or looked into? I don't know. Unless it's like small town things. It could be. So Stacy is said to now frequent a lot of specific areas in the hospital, including her old room on the first floor. And sometimes she can be seen and heard playing in the basement hallways. Since she loves stories... It's said that she can be enticed to come out if someone reads out loud the pokey little puppy, or it's said that if you roll a ball or leave it there, she'll, like, interact with it. She'll roll it to you or whatever. But you gotta ask her to. Okay, so she waits for consent. Got it. Yeah, so she seems to actually be the most friendly one there. Okay. Like, there seems to be nothing malicious about her whatsoever. Which is rare for children, you know. Uh, I did air quotations when I said children. Because most of the time, or not most of the time, but sometimes, their spirits can be seen as, like, the malicious ones mm-hmm. to kind of, see, you know, reel you in. But it doesn't seem like she's that case, so that's good. So let's talk about these Felician sisters real quick. It's claimed that they're around a lot, and a lot of people say that these nuns can be violent. Okay. Which, I mean, I... I've always heard the whole slap your hand with, with a ruler. ruler, you know, like, yeah, but no, they're talking violent. There have actually been reports of people being choked, scratched, or rushed at. Damn. And they really hate tattoos 
or being disrespected or obnoxious behavior. I mean... So you and I, just because of our tattoos, are not allowed to go in there. We're going to get our eyeballs scratched out. (laughs) There have been people going in there with tattoos that have had nothing happen to them. But there have been plenty of people who have as well. So as long as we don't try to provoke and we be respectful, we'll be okay. Maybe. So this hospital was actually built with a big chapel in it for the nuns and stuff. Don't forget, it was ran by the nuns. This place was built by the nuns. So it was... It was operated by the nuns. They didn't like the horseplay and excessiveness and yeah. all that. Right. Because so, you it know, was they, aware of the highway type thing. They and it was very on. strict. They're very strict now, I guess. They don't like that obnoxious bullshit. That makes sense. So one sister has even been seen in different places of the building, and photos of her and her habit have been caught. The thing they wear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's been caught. I I don't know. It's You know, I'm skeptical about stuff anyway. But I'm not going, so we, we're not going to find out personally. <laughs> it's been said that there was actually a priest there that was a horrible man. He knocked up two nuns and would take patients, mostly women, so it sounds like may have been, you know, more than maybe just sex, or maybe he went a little both, you know, just maybe he had a dominance thing. But anyways, he would take them to the basement, and people think that he raped them, killed them, sacrificed them, or all of the above. Okay. I've also heard that he would make the nuns that he impregnated. Self-abort the babies, and then throw them into this little furnace they had down there in that basement. Okay. I was not ready for that. I couldn't find the guy's name. I couldn't find anything about a priest there. So there's not actual physical proof. It's just suspicion. Well, all the records are gone pretty much. Really, everything is suspicion because, like you said, there's no records. So it's weird. Weird. I couldn't find much about it at all. So there's a man named Doug Richards. He's another spirit that's supposedly active there. Okay. He was a heavy equipment mechanic that somehow died in the hospital in 1973. He now roams the halls with his tall appearance, white t-shirt, and blue jeans. He sounds like one of those spirits that would, like, kind of approach you or talk to you or something, and you would think that they're real because of how modern mm-hmm. his dress is. And yeah, like you would think it's just someone walking down the hallway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what it seems like. There is actually an oil field nearby. So, I don't know if maybe he got hurt out in the oil field. Oh, yeah, because you said he had a heavy equipment. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I don't know. Maybe he got hurt and came to the hospital. And, I don't know. Maybe it was preventable. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah. But, it seems like I keep running across the word malpractice. But I can't find anything that says there was or wasn't. I'm just saying, if you get rid of the records and you're being suspicious of, you know, being, or, you know, there's suspicion of you being used for malpractice. Yeah. I'm just saying. (laughs) So, when the hospital turned into a drug rehab facility, it was said that the doctors would give them experimental drugs and they would just, like, lock them up in a room and see what happens. And these were like psychoactive drugs, not just regular shit. Okay. Yeah, they go in there and go crazy, lose their mind, end up killing themselves, hanging themselves, something in that room. That is ridiculous. It is. So it would have reverse effects oftentimes. 
And one of the guys that was actually seeking help at the rehab was this guy named TJ. He came up to the back door one night and rang the doorbell. No one answered. It's really not known if the bell wasn't working or if the nurse on duty had just fallen asleep. Okay. But the next morning, he was found dead on the steps outside. And now it's said that he can be seen wandering a hall near the back door. Oh, shit. My thing is, if it was whenever it was a rehab, that was between 86 and 88. Mm-hmm. You mean you didn't check into if the bell was working or not? Right. It, that's an easy... That's an easy see if it works or if he hit it or something. But why would you even say the doorbell may or may not have worked? Maybe he didn't hit it. Mm-hmm. Why would you go that far to say that? It's weird. It's like whenever you keep over-talking to make it seem truthful, yes. and you dig yourself into a hole. That yeah. you're trying to convince the person, where you're also trying to convince yourself that what you're saying is, you know, valid, true. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that, that doesn't fit very well. All right, now, the boiler room. The boiler room in the basement is known to be the most haunted room. In one account, there was a female employee, a co-worker, and a patient. And in another account, it was actually a nurse and two patients. But either way, the little love triangle thing, it remains the same. The story's there. There's a guy who I've also heard was the boiler maintenance guy. But anyways, he caught his love interest fucking some other guy down in the boiler room. And one day whenever he went down there and caught him, he went into a rage and stabbed the woman several times, killing her. And then the man that she was with at the time wrestled the knife away from the attacker and stabbed the attacker to death as well. Shit. That's one story I've heard. Also heard the woman was stabbed, the guy she was with at the time was stabbed, and then the attacker shot himself in the head. Damn. I can't find any actual documentation on it, but there is blood still on the walls down there. So something happened. Something happened. The caretaker of the building actually claimed that he had the blood forensically tested mm-hmm. and is human. Oh, but I'm okay. not sure if they did any like DNA or anything. See who it was. Yeah, so I don't know if there's multiple or, you know, I don't know if it's two, three. I, it was at least a double homicide. But now that so many people have been in there, there's no point in doing DNA. No, really. there's really not. So it's either a double homicide or a double homicide suicide. Damn. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay. So in the past, and I'm sure you can still try to catch it yourself because they are still open for tours and stuff. People have actually caught orbs and shadow men and all kinds of stuff on cameras. It's also known to be a hotspot for getting EVPs with clear voices. You know what an EVP is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The shadows are very, very frequent in the halls and the old ER and operating rooms. And sometimes screams can actually be heard coming from the labor and delivery wards. Nice. Yeah, so it's definitely got some history just being open as a building. Oof. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> now what, you, you come from a small town with me. Mm-hmm. What happens in a small town whenever teenagers get bored and there's a big abandoned building? They do graffiti or do something like break Some the windows or something shit. stupid. Yeah, so they had a lot of people breaking into there. 
Uh, it sounded like mainly high school kids, but they were doing like satanic rituals. There was like a big pentagram on the floor in the broiler room. I think one of the groundskeepers or something one time found a raccoon in there that had been like split open for a sacrifice oh and God. like a bunch of candles around it and shit and he had to clean it up. So, I mean, it is possible that there is some shit that went on in operation, and mm -hmm. some of those souls have attached, but it is also possible that since it seems to be so evil, after they closed down, something might have happened. And then all that negative energy is just kind of in one spot. Yeah. I don't, that, that one throws me for a loop. I am never going to go there, so I will never experience it. It sounds intense. It does. And I mean, there have been a lot of big names out there. You know, Zach Baggins has mm -hmm. been out there. The one that a lot of this information came from, from Lizzie, she got it from Sam and Colby. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a YouTube. It's really interesting. I also actually ran across Lorraine Warren had gone there and investigated. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so I didn't really get to read too much into that, unfortunately. I am going to keep reading into it, but you get someone as big as her out there, you know something's going on. I don't even know if she investigated Waverly Hills. I don't think so. I don't think she did. Yeah, I don't think so. So, there's something going on to attract their attention for sure. To make the Warrens, or at least one Warren, at least go out there. Or something. Maybe. Yeah, there's gotta be something. I mean, it could be just malpractice because it was not a very well thought out system and organized they right. didn't have the right staff at all times yeah that could have been a possibility or it could have been open originally with ill intent that's also true so i don't, I don't really know the nuns may have had something going on well it's hard to tell because all the records are gone but like i said you took the records for a reason I'm yeah just saying you had something behind yeah, they're, that's that's sketchy. Something happened. That's real sketchy. Especially knowing that it was mainly used for, like, maternity and stuff. And then you've got a doctor that over 50% is not delivered. Yeah, so something happened. If it's not malpractice or if it's not some type of, you know, just evil or ill intent or something, you know, regardless, something bad happened there. Yeah, some, something definitely bad happened there. You had to do something to cover up your ass, I'm just saying. It definitely. So, if you have any more information on it, I would like to know about it. And if you have gone, because I know I've got some listeners in Texas, and I actually know some people in Texas. If you have gone or you want to go and tell me about it, please tell me about it. Yeah, because... We're all about, you know, sending in stuff, and as you see, you know, this yes, is a listener this, story. this was... All from Lizzie. I just did a little extra bit. Thank you very much for this, Lizzie. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. You did such a good job. Yes. Very proud. Send us another one. Yeah, do that. And same to everybody else. If there's any information that they may have on this or there's another one, send it. You know, we'll look into it. Yeah. But I guess that's about all I've got today. I think on that, we kind of need to end on that note. It, that's, that's it's just kind of left up in the air. It's weird. There's nothing really left to get away to from say. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, until next time. Bye, guys. See ya. Oh.
Our research is done by Shelby Hudgens, Courtney Pilant, and Tina Collins. A special thanks to Tina Collins for managing us, and we are a lot to manage. All social media is linked in the description below. Be sure to follow us, and don't forget to leave a rating on wherever you get your podcast. If you have an interesting topic that you'd like to hear on our podcast, please email it to allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. Did this episode make you say, What the fuck?